is this Inquisitor Archivist Solomon logging a case pertaining to a survivor from the fall of Cadia. I'm unsure on how the information came to the Imperium Archives, as everything is such a mess here. It seems like every day I get more and more papers to crawl through before I can even get to my desk. The statement reads as follows. While I was growing up, Cadia had always been known as the triumphant fortress that kept the forces of chaos away from the rest of the Imperium. Planet of legendary heroes, hard-fought victories and immense sacrifice. I've lived my childhood years hearing the fighting outside of the walls of my city and longing for a chance to join them even before I stopped wetting my bed sheets. I wanted to be the one that ended it all, that finally made the villains rout, never to come back. I was innocent then, thinking that evil could ever be defeated by a single man. The ancestry of Acadian is a dodgy subject. The first settlers that came here fell to the seduction of chaos. But your average Cadian lineage nowadays can be traced back to Terra in just some short centuries. And yet, people won't trust us. They'll applaud our feats in protecting the Imperium, but always from a distance. Perhaps they have a point. Our culture is filled with superstition that lives in defiance of the Imperial truths that we have adopted. There should be no God. There should be logic, reason and understanding above all. But it's hard to be reasonable when the eye of terror is at your door. When you hear the sounds of monsters outside, do we apply reason then? Maybe reason is just the sword we brandish, like the primitives of old using fire. Maybe there's something else out there that we can't quite explain because we haven't dared to explore it yet. I do apologize for my ramblings, but I promise that this context is important for the story I'm about to tell you. I lived in a fortress city when I was a kid. While it's not the best environment to raise a child, for the most part we feel safe here. We are the most heavily defended planet apart from Terra. Regular fresh regiments of Imperial Guard arrive to defend us, and we even get the occasional visits of the Emperor's angels themselves. I didn't have to do much back then, just a few shorts around the house and going to school, so I spent a lot of time wandering around the fortress, learning every route and passage was my favorite pastime. The city was going to be mine to defend one day, Emperor willing. In one of my ventures into the tunnels below the city, I found incredible passageways, sculpted into the rock formation below beautiful renditions of angels, heroes and legends. I followed the long story told by this tapestry of a great angel that charged the forces of chaos. She had long red hair with a silver mesh of hair running through the side of her head. She was truly beautiful and powerful. You could feel it in your bones. A broad sword in her hand and a beam of light in the other, lighting the way for her comrades in battle. I came back to those tunnels countless times to revisit that feeling. I became obsessed with it, I made it my mission to go there every day and light a candle for her. It was a long time before I found another person in there, but I did eventually. A woman with blonde hair and kind eyes was lighting the candles. She didn't seem to notice me and 
so I waited to see if she would go away before I could marvel at the tapestry once again. She said some prayers and moved further into the tunnels. I hadn't fully explored this place yet, so it felt like a good opportunity to follow her and do so. If for any reason I needed to get out, I could ask her for help anyway. As she went further down into these tunnels, I followed from a distance where I couldn't be spotted. I carried a small oil lamp with me everywhere I went, and it was just enough to make my way forward and to keep an eye on her blonde hair. Eventually, we came into a white chamber that was carved out into more of the tapestry I'd seen before. It showed the red-haired woman shielding a city from what looked like a massive asteroid. She carried herself with a sureness and strength that filled my heart with joy. The eyes burned with a pledge that everything would be alright for her people. I admired the tapestry for too long, and when I turned to look for the blonde woman that guided my way here, I wasn't able to see her. I shined my light around, and all I could see was the tapestry and the carved rock. After a while inspecting the tapestry, I figured I would try to find my way out of the tunnels, and that's when I heard people in the distance. It was hard to pinpoint where they were coming from, as the chamber echoed and distorted all sound. I decided to turn off my lamp and hide behind a jagged rock, so that I wouldn't be spotted. I took a deep breath and I waited in silence. Not long after, the sounds I heard became louder, and they felt like chants of some sort. Although they were closer now, the chamber still distorted their sound, to the point I couldn't make out what they said. Roped figures came into a circle of light at the center of this chamber, each one carrying their own candles and lamps. One of them pulled their hood down, and I immediately recognized her as the woman from the tapestry. The red hair with the silver mesh on the side couldn't be confused by anyone else's. Her blue eyes looked around the room and pierced through the darkness as if she was taking in every single speck of dust that composed this chamber. In a swift motion, all the other hooded figures came to their knees. The red-haired woman walked around them, taking their presence in. They started chanting as she looked up, motionless. The sound of their voices bounced around the chamber in random patterns. Occasionally, they would be whispering in your ear, and at times sounded like a distant scream of incoherent speech. The eyes of the red-haired woman started to flicker and glow in a bright blue, this glow taking over all of her pupils and burning the flesh around them in a dark blue. The chanting got more passionate, and each of the hooded figures started to fall motionless to the ground. One by one, each of their voices left the chorus that stormed the chamber, until there was nothing but stillness. The red-haired woman stood at the center of the chamber now, her head raised high and her feet no longer touching the ground. For a minute I thought it might be the chance to run away, and yet I stayed frozen in place not able to make sense of what I had seen. The tapestry around the chamber was now glowing with small specks of blue crackling light. Slowly, her feet came to the ground once again. She gave a last look to the fallen, wooded figures and left through the tunnel that I came from. I was trembling by all that I had seen. I must have waited for hours before I could get up and out of the jagged rock where I was hiding. 
probably took me about as much time to decide if I was going to check on the hooded figures. I managed to find some courage and relief in the certainty they were already dead. Approaching them, I shined my lamp forward and I could see the closest hooded figure. Their eyes appeared burned out of their sockets. Skin around them was still sizzling and imprinted by the dark blue markings. Their mouths lingered open in a perpetual scream of agony. It didn't take me long to run at the sight of this. I left any sense of caution back at the chamber and ran through the tunnels half-blinded by the adrenaline. I stopped once I felt the daylight shine on my skin. It took a while for my eyes to acclimate to the sunlight and when they did, I panicked. A section of the wall on the fortress was crumbling fast on top of the nearby houses, demolishing dozens of them. I could hear a deafening roar coming from the outside. As I prepared to run home, I saw regiments of soldiers bracing themselves against buildings, waiting for the inevitable final collapse of this section of the wall. Each thundering roar and thump brought more and more of the regiments to panic. I was frozen in place, incapable of hearing the shouts to stay out of the way. A final roar and a crash. All hell broke loose. A horned, monstrous figure with wings crashed through the wall using a giant axe of impossible weight. Their big war cry commanded a legion of horrors through the city, but before I could comprehend what I was seeing, I saw a glimpse of red hair through the confusing mass of bodies and movement. A blue light shines bright from her eyes as she started to levitate above all monstrosities and soldiers around me. On impulse, I knew what was coming next and anchored down as best as I could. A wave of energy knocked everyone to the ground. The blue light seeped deep into the monstrosities and corroded them from inside out. The winged monster that defied reality with its existence was blowing away as a pile of ashes. Shears were heard from Imperial soldiers at first, but quickly changed to screams of horror as their eyes burned out. With a sad silence permeating the air, the red-haired woman floated down once again, with grace and poise. She walked in my direction and extended a hand to help me up. I felt my body shut down as soon as she picked me up into her arms. The next thing I remember was waking up at my parents' house, exhausted and hungry. The sounds of war had been replaced by chants from the nearby square and I got up to my window to see hundreds of people around the circle. As my eyes shifted to the burning pyre, they were crying for what I was about to see. The red-haired woman, devoid of any life in her blue eyes, staring motionless. As the fire licked their corpse, turning it to ash before my eyes. Burn the witch. Burn the witch. Burn the witch. End of Vox Transcript. As everything related to Cadia, misinformation is at the center of all reports. I was able to authenticate the Vox signal as genuine but learning the identity of anyone in this story seems like an impossible task. I did log the information about the caves below the Cadian cities as something to be investigated, should the opportunity ever arise again. 
I can't imagine the horrors those people faced. Part of me thinks that the superstitions of old were their doom, but I also can't ignore facts. And it does seem that the witch helped them live to fight another day. Why, though? Inquisitorial Archivist Solomon, out.